Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, as we continue the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross, we hear our Lord give a parable of the Kingdom of Heaven. In the Kingdom of Heaven, drawing upon deep themes within Scripture that we find throughout the Old Testament, especially in the Prophets, that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is a wedding party. And we have invitations sent out to all who were supposed to come. Not only is this a wedding party, but this is a big wedding party. This is multiple animals slaughtered for this party. Oxen and fatted cattle. There's nothing like being invited to a big wedding shindig where you know there's going to be a nice selection of food, maybe not a cash bar, maybe just a bar, (laughs) where you can just feel time pause as joy just reverberates, ripples through the people assembled, where dancing, where great joy overwhelms everyone and it goes late into the night and everyone wants to stay and not go home except for the wedded couple of course but you can see this invitation comes in the mail and many of us say okay let's look at the calendar what do I need to cancel this is going to be great no these Those who were invited, Scripture tells us, made light of it and went their way. They they threw the invitation in the trash. One went to his farm, one went to his business. I've got other things I have to take care of. The rest, because this invitation didn't just come through the post office, this is actually a personal invitation sent by servants. The rest, they uh, did a little bit different of a path of making light. They took the servants and they killed them. That's quite a response to a wedding invitation. And a wedding invitation of a king, no less, right? This is going to be the biggest wedding celebration you've ever been invited to. The king hears about these traitors, these murderers, and scripture tells us in this parable that he sends out armies and destroys them and burns their city. So the king okay, scratches his head. Okay, I've got a huge feast prepared. What am I going to do now? So he tells his servants, go out into the highways, go far and wide and invite everyone to the wedding. So the servants go out, they get the good and the bad, and the wedding hall is filled with guests. The fathers of the church, in interpreting this parable, there's, there's two, at least two layers to this parable. On one, we can see that the kingdom of heaven in this parable is our Lord's arrival, his preaching, his teaching, 
him being the servant who's come from the father, the son, it's his feast that is being prepared. And he is inviting everyone who would we expect to be invited to this wedding feast. As we see in the Gospels, the reaction to Jesus are varied. Some make light of it. They just do their own thing, go about their business. But we know some who treat him spitefully and will kill him. And the fathers see that just a few decades after the killing of our Lord, that Jerusalem itself is destroyed. And the fathers comment upon this, seeing a fulfillment of prophecy, that in the rejection of the Messiah, there was destruction that came. So, of course, then the wedding invitation that is then sent out to everyone else, those faithful of Israel, but then also to the Gentiles, to everyone who is able to enter into the kingdom. So that's one layer. The second layer is where we, at every divine liturgy, are invited by the Son, by the King of Heaven, and by the Holy Spirit to come and have the supper with the Lamb. That we are invited to come because the fatted calf has been killed, all things have been prepared, and there is an incredible feast set before us. And just like those of old who rejected it, many of us are tempted to make light of the sacrifice, but especially of the mornings and the days dedicated to the gathering together of God's faithful, to coming together to celebrate the wedding with the Lamb. Archbishop Dimitri of Blessed Memory, the founding bishop of this diocese, in commenting upon those who take lightly the invitation from our Lord, he tells us, we seem to think that we can accept or reject the invitation according to our mood and that everything will still be all right. It's one thing that we see that those who took light in the gospel, that they have business to attend to, that there's a farm, and that if there's something going on on the farm or business, there's almost always, if you talk to any small business owner, there's almost always something to do, right? You can fill your time. You can attend to all sorts of things. Of course, we can take this metaphorically. There's all sorts of things in our life that eat up our time, our energy, our devotion. But there's something in reading Archbishop Dimitri's commentary that jumped out at me that we can accept or reject according to our mood according to how we feel unfortunately our mood talk to any one of us right our moods go like this right there's very few that maybe even question if you see somebody whose mood is like this all the time you maybe wonder 
uh, what's going on? <laughs> how, how is that possible? But it is a real challenge, especially in our day and age, as we are told to always pay attention, especially to our feelings, uh, uh, without any other thought to any other obligation, any other promises, any other duties that we have, but just our feelings. This, of course, is poisonous for our relationships. We know this in our marriages, in our friendships, in all of the ways in which we interact with people. If we just always went with our emotions and our mood, well, I think we all know the, the fruit of that. But when it comes to a Sunday morning or a feast day and we have the opportunity and the ability and our mood dictates something else, that should be a red light for us. A flag should go up and say, I'm going to miss the wedding feast because of my mood. I'm going to make light of this Eucharistic gathering, this ascent into eternity because of my mood. Of course, we can go beyond this. There are those who will reject the faith. That's what I would make as a parallel to those who seize and kill. Schism or heresy or apostasy, just the rejection of Christ. This is especially poignant, I think, as we gather during this Feast of the Cross and we have during this Eucharistic assembly before us the cross of Christ. And it puts before us that the kingdom is not just uh, how we feel, what we are able to do if we can squeeze it into time, our time frame. But it is that the cross stands before us because this is the path. This is the entrance. This is the small gate. This is the narrow way. This is the entry into the kingdom. As our Lord tells us in the other gospel reading, it is all about our desire. Because he does not force any of us to do anything. He says, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Whoever desires to save his life, they must lose it. This wedding feast is for the good and the bad. It's filled with all of the guests who have come. But the end of this parable is still very strong. The king is glad to see all the guests. And he goes through and he's making his greetings. But he sees someone without a wedding garment. He sees someone inappropriately dressed. So he says to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. It's a great offense to the king, a great offense to all those gathered to not be prepared, to not be ready to attend the wedding feast. What does the king say to this one without the wedding garment? Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Come on. Is that what he says? 
No. He says, bind him, hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is an echo throughout the Gospel of Matthew, where the judgment of God is made very starkly for us. Outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. He has no wedding garment. This morning we have uh, with us, assembled with us, those who have put on especially their wedding garments. New, white, or lightly colored, colored garments because they have received the wedding garment from our Lord in their baptism and in their chrismation. They have, in sincere preparation, made the effort to come into the church, to attend catechism classes, to take on new practices that they didn't know about before, to be prepared to be received into the church. This wedding garment is something that a Christian throughout their life attends to, prepares, uh, cleans, by coming to confession, cleans and weaves as it breaks apart, restores it to its original glory. For all of the fathers of the church, many of the fathers of the church, I shouldn't say all, but most of them, they interpret this wedding garment. St. Gregory the Great, St. Augustine, St. John Chrysostom, all interpret this wedding garment as love. That love flowing from a pure heart, not seeking its own but sacrificial, not driven about just by its mood or how it feels, but its firm conviction and rooting in Jesus Christ. That without this love, if we were to gather together without love, or that our wedding garment is completely in disarray, rips here and there, all sorts of dirt all over it, this is the consequence for those without a wedding garment. This is also given to us and reminded to us in coming to the Eucharistic gathering where we talk about that we partake of the holy body and blood for the remission of our sins and for the healing of our soul and body, right? But it is also for that we are not condemned, that we are not cast out, that we take and partake of him in purity of heart, with love that flows in self-sacrifice. That this is the wedding garment that we need to have on in order to approach him. Here and now, this is all, in a way, this is all practice for us. This is dress rehearsal. I'm not saying it's not real. But the real end of all of this is the end of all things, where it is the final invitation, is the final trumpet, that calls us to him to come and sit down with him in the kingdom. But we are constantly flowing in towards the kingdom, preparing ourselves, not just dictated according to our mood, but according to what we are convicted of, what we know and what we are practicing. And if we're struggling to practice, at least we're struggling to put it into practice, to love, to forgive, Especially as we encounter in the other gospel. What is it that our Lord will be ashamed of when he comes at the end? Are those who have been ashamed of our Lord and of his word? 
He's given us the path. It is love that flows from him to us and then to the world. Let us prepare ourselves. Let us not, with our coming and going of our moods, let us make the sign of the cross. And if something gets in the way that we can't come to church, that we can't fulfill our obligations because there's things out of our power, out of our control, that's one thing. If it's just because we don't want to or we're not moved or we don't feel something, that's not an excuse. Come. You don't do this in your marriage. You don't do this. Well, I hope to God you do not do this in your marriage. Do not do this with your children. Hopefully you also don't do it for work. But this is more important than all of that. This is where we receive him who was slain before the foundations of the world. Him who loved us so much to die on a cross for us. Him who calls and with great patience and love Ask us to take care of our wedding garment. Confess our sins. Seek forgiveness. Do good. Many are called, but few are chosen. The king invites all. It is up to us whether we will first answer that invitation, not take it lightly or reject it. And that when we come, we come prepared with our wedding garment, with our hearts set in heaven, with our hearts set upon the cross, with our hearts set in such a way that we are ready to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, so that we, when all things are said and done, are ready for him to come to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the inheritance. Come and join us at the table where we shall never die, where we shall never want, where we shall never sorrow, where the love that we have built in this world through the power of the cross continues to grow forever and ever. Amen.